Tech Fan Podcast number 373. I am Tim, and I'm joined not by David this week, because David is still on his cruise, the lazy bum, but I've got Simon from the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm fine, Tim. Thank you for inviting me. Dude, I'm really glad that you're here. It's, uh, you know, we've been talking a little bit before we started reading about uh, listeners and editing shows and all that, and uh, how long have you been podcasting now? Uh, what, a year and a half, two years? Not very long. Not 14-odd years like you. Well, but, you know, <laughs> length of time really doesn't matter, and, and guys are, will be the, the first to admit that length doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's the passion behind it. So what made you start the uh, the Essential Apple podcast? What what was that impetus that got you going? Well, the the thing was it started out when um Carl Madden started the Mac and Forth show. Um originally he used to do it on a, I think a Wednesday evening in the UK. And uh he he used to cast it out live. Um and obviously it was a new show. And I don't remember where I heard it, but any, I, I kind of got into listening to it live. Popped being, up on your radar. Yeah, and um, so I used to listen to it live and be in the chat room. And uh, although often there was only about two of us in the chat room, so uh, Carl would quite often say, "Oh, Simon is in the chat room," and then he'd say, uh, "Oh, and a message from Serenac in the in the chat room and uh, from the chat room." <laughs> and a lot of the time they were all me. And, um, you know, certainly in the, in the first few podcasts. And, uh, so I kind of got into that and I became like a, a sort of a fifth wheel. I never actually went on the show with him. But your um, content then, was definitely there. I mean, they're, they're, oh, yeah, they're talking yeah, no, about was, what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, and then, um, through that, I, um, I got introduced to Mark, Mark Chappell. Yep. Um, and, I started following some of his stuff, um, and I I started sort of sending him um, pointers and saying, um, mostly actually to do with with his show notes, saying your show notes are a bit untidy and <laughs> spelling's not great. And if you if you want me to help you out, like by you know send me your show notes and I'll I'll um, I'll just go over them, you know, check them for grammar Add them and spelling. A little bit, sure. And uh, just help you out before, and send them back to you, and then you can post them. So I, I kind of got into that. And then um, Carl and, and Mark started the Essential Apple. Um, and uh, so I, I was kind of helping, in the, again, in the background. I was helping Mark with stuff on the, on the uh, website and bits and pieces like that. And, and then um, I got invited to go on one time, uh, and then... Carl said that he he was going to re uh, you know uh, restart the Mac and forth, and uh, that he wanted to go back to doing that. So uh, I kind of ended up being the co-host, and then <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then ha- having been the co-host for a little while, um, Mark said to me, you know, would you like to uh, do a recording as well in case of disasters? So I started off. Um, I just did the simplest recording in the world originally, which was we had uh, wire, and then I got uh, piezo yep. from Rogue Amoeba, and um, 
all you do with that is simply point it to wire. So I was literally uh, using a microphone, going straight into wire, uh, and just recording that. And that was a, just as a backup. That was, a, you know, in case something went terribly wrong at Mark's in. Heaven and forbid. then from Yeah, but it did. And on more than, you know, on more than one occasion, at least that was better than nothing. Um, and then, of course, uh, Guy sort of was saying to me, you really need to get audio hijack. So I got audio hijack and I got loop back and... Uh, got dragged into all that so now i have one of the most complicated audio hijack hijack setups in the world uh yeah thanks guy searle you gave someone else your disease <laughs> and um when we had paul kafarsis on the show he said i think i might have seen your setup somewhere on the web so i said yeah i did i did post a thing on the central apple about and he said man that's a complicated setup yeah <laughs> But actually, to be honest, it, it, I, I've got three lines. I've got a voice line for me, um, which uh, feeds out to a loopback virtual device. I've got a line for my, uh, you know, for my sound sound box, so I can do stupid things like, uh, yeah, and um, a guy again, guy disease. Yeah, guy's disease. I don't use it very much, I must admit. <laughs> and then I, I have uh, one with wire. Um, which again f- feeds out to to loop back, uh, and there we go. And I've got a lot of you know I've got equalizers and denoises and volume controls and all sorts. Much of which is probably um, superfluous. superfluous yes. to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just like that I have VU meters and peak meters, and it just it just looks good, doesn't it? I've got lots of boxes with flashy lights and things. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it's the old computer. It must have. Must have lots of flashing lights on. That's it. right. It's like the old, uh, you know, eighties eighties stereos. If they haven't got loads of LEDs going up and down, then it's rubbish. No, absolutely. But, um, <laughs> I remember those. I had those in the eighties. I even had yeah. them in my car. I had a a graphic equalizer in my car. I remember it was a ten band graphic equalizer. It had five of the little things on each side, and in the middle, it had a spectrum analyzer, which was just you know the the yeah. flow of them. It just you know it was stupid, but <laughs> It was an eighties thing, you know. Everything it was, was flashy an 80s scene, and wasn't cool. It? And, yeah, and um, I never, I never had one. Although my my mate had one in his car, where um, the the uh, sort of the uh, display would show things like dolphins jumping out of yes. the waves, and <laughs> 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 while you were, you know, it was like point. I don't know, no point whatsoever, just because they could. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing, though. You know, in this life, not everything has to have a point or a meaning. Sometimes that is the point, that there is no point. That's the point. It's just superfluous fun. Yeah, and there's nothing I, you know, wrong with a bit of frivolity, is it? Yeah, well, and I think that's the spice of life, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. I, I think so. And, oh, si- yeah, that and was, size that was, isn't, or, or never mind. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, so that was how I ended up. And then um, Mark had, had a few um, issues uh, of his own. Um, and, and I think um, basically, you know, he'd been doing it for, I, I don't know, uh, a few years. Know, three, three, four years, maybe. Yeah. I mean, he was doing it probably a, a year and a half or more because he was doing rampant mumblings before before uh, him and Carl started the Essential Apple podcast. And, and so. Um, I, I was the regular co-host, and then I think Mark was just struggling a bit with, you know, every week it was beginning to wear him down a bit, and he had a few health issues. So I said, well, why don't you just take a break? Take a break and let me run the show. And um, 
you know, when yeah. you if you feel up to it or when you feel like it. And now um, he's appearing, you know, pretty much every show again. So I guess he's just uh, the bug has bitten him again. <laughs> yeah, some people, especially back in the early days of podcasting, um, I think it was. I don't remember if it was uh, me and Chad Perry, the original co-host of the MyMac podcast way back in 2005, six, somewhere in there, or Guy Searle. Uh, but one of us came up with the term pod fade, and it referred to somebody who would launch a show to great fanfare. They would be extremely enthusiastic about it, and it would be, you know, a very high glossy website and great graphics, and they'd get, you know, 25, 30 episodes in on a weekly show, and then it would go bi-weekly, and then it would become once a month, and then you'd see an episode every couple months, and then just fade away. Fade um, away. Yeah. And I think that's because there's a lot of unrealistic expectations of what you can expect when you host a show like this. It's, you know, I know it's... It, a lot of people probably think it's all Ferraris and helicopters and yachts, but it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very much not. I mean, we the the essential. I mean, it, like hosting, we host our show at uh, Pinecast. Yep. Which uh, they offer a, a free tier, so you can host your show for free. Um, I think you can host up to three separate podcasts on a free plan. Oh, and it's 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 really good, and. Um, after a while, we decided to move uh, to a paid plan, which costs all of like five pounds. Yeah, nothing a month, um, and that gives us, uh, you know, more more. I mean, it's all unlimited bandwidth, uh, even on the free plan. There's a limit to the size of each individual podcast you can upload. Yeah, that might be a good thing, though. That may, that, that keeps was... your show focused. There's some shows that I used to listen to that are like two hours long, and I'm like, I don't have two hours to listen to a show. I mean, that's a long time. Yeah, I mean, we we sometimes drift to an hour and a half, but uh, even that sometimes we're like, oh dear, we're going a bit long here. But no, we <laughs> nobody really wants it. Much as I like John Gruber, when you get a John Gruber podcast and it says three hours and 48 yeah, minutes. I'm not listening to that. Like, oh. Really, no. John? You know, that's just too much. Mm-hmm. That's too much. And, you know, his his topics generally are kind of similar to yours, where it focuses on Apple. And, obviously, I started with the MyMac podcast and um, still produce it. And, you know, Guy and Gaz recorded every week. But I, I couldn't do just Apple-focused stuff anymore. I kind of did get burned out on that. Originally, we started a show... With the my with the MyMac crew, at one point it got kind of large. We'd have you know four or five people on each episodes, and that wasn't including the segments that other contributors were sending in. But we found that the conversation before and after the MyMac podcast was, if not as good, better or more enjoyable for the hosts than the actual content because we were branching out. We were we talk about very geeky stuff, you know. And that was right when the Marvel movies were kind of starting to kick in. And, um, you know, it was just very geeky. So we thought, you know what, why don't we record another show when we're done with the MyMac stuff? And we'll put that out every couple of weeks and we'll call it something geeky. So we came up with the geekiest show ever. That was the moniker. And um, so we were recording two different shows, but we found that 
we were kind of getting more excited for the geeky show ever stuff because it was just so many more things were going on in that space than just Apple or Mac related. Now the iPhone, when that came out, that, that helped a whole lot, (laughs) you know, and opening up the developer, uh, ecosystem. That was kind of cool because then you're going to have something new to talk about all the time, but it was opening up the floodgates of something else. So when I left the MyMac show, and at, at, by that point, I had already turned Geeky a show over to other people, which, by the way, next next month, no, January, it's going to celebrate its uh, 200th episode, which is pretty cool because it only comes out maybe once every two to three weeks, uh, maybe once a month now. So that's that's a pretty big milestone. I was invited back on a episode for the 200th episode. I'm kind of looking forward to that. But uh, I actually retired from the MyMac show and started OWC Radio for Otherworld Computing. And, uh, eventually when that ended, I started this show and I was like, I can't, I can't go back to the Apple stuff exclusively. You know, David Cohen and I are big Apple users, but I just, I, you know, my question is to you, how do you find the content to continuously the main focus being Apple and that ecosystem? Cause I find it extremely claustrophobic at times. Well, <clears throat> um, what I tend to do is I just I keep my eye, you know, as I read the news feeds during the week. Um, Apple News feeds me uh, a lot of stuff, and any stories that catch my eye, I just I, I either put into the into the Slack, or, yep. or you know I, I uh, put in pocket or or whatever. Um, and I must admit we've we've broadened a little bit. I I tr- try and cover in the show notes we tend to have apple technology security in the news and then you know worth a chirp or uh, we also have a little one called uh, just a flyby yeah which is uh, just for anything that's can be anything whatsoever that somebody's seen it could be dancing elephant and it, it's sort of for, for things that are not worthy of any great d- discussion um because some weeks, you know, some weeks there is very little to say about Apple, Apple d- themselves. I'd say and, most and we, weeks. Yeah. I mean, we, it just we, doesn't change that often. No. And we tend to stay away from the rumors and, and all that because we're not interested in people. What the, you know, iPhone 2019 will be like. Like, just go away. We're not interested in that. So, um, and then, of course, we, we, we try and have uh, guests on quite a lot. Uh, with John Nemo's help, so uh, later on today I'm recording, actually we're recording with uh, Andreas Guilunas from Pixelmator, um, and we we try and get on people like, uh, yeah, so we have Pixelmator, we've had Affinity, um, Adobe, you know, a, a variety of people, Paul Cafarsis, uh, Oliver Breedenbach, anyone we can anyone we can shanghai really who's prepared to come on and talk why not um but we you know but we also try and mix it up because the effort of having a guest every week sometimes we'll have a run you know six eight weeks and we'll have a guest every week um but we try and mix it up a bit and not have not necessarily have a guest every single week because that's quite a lot of strain uh, as well, you know, in organizing and, 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 Oh, I trust me. I've been there, you know, when I was so, doing OWC radio, I would have, 
um, not every week, but pretty much, uh, different guests from all walks of life. You know, I'd have directors, I'd have actors, I'd have musicians, I'd have producers, uh, anybody who was using um, OWC products or related products, I would bring them on the show. And boy, the, the kind of questions that you have to research for all these different guests on a regular basis is extremely tiring. It, it just kind of wears you out after a while. You're like, oh, what more questions could I possibly ask? I've got yet another guy that does X, Y, Z. I've had three guys just like him. Um, yeah, I, I came up with creative stuff like, um, questions. I, uh, what was it? It was the five, five hard questions or something. I can't remember what I called it where I would ask completely random questions like, you know, okay, you're in the shower. Do you start at the top or the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> and, and they never knew what these questions would be. And I found those extremely fun, you know, coffee or tea. Yeah. And they'd say, tea. well, it'd be coffee okay well do you take you know sugar and you know what kind of <laughs> sweetener do you put in there and you know wet, wet shave or electric razor. yeah that's right yeah electric butt for me by the way um <laughs> yeah yeah it was stuff like that and i i think i would have the guests after the show was done recording tell me i really like the five stupid questions segment that was fun because they had no idea and you had to just you know pull out an answer and most of the time it would be an honest answer because you can't come up with a really good lie that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd have to be uh, very experienced to pull out a lie on the cuff that quickly. Right. I mean, if someone asks you the question, okay, you're in the shower, do you wash your hair first or your body first? Well, you're immediately going to give the right answer because it's yeah. the truthful one. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's the hair. I wash my hair first. Um, but, you know, people are different, you know, and it's, and it was those kind of questions that I found fun to ans ask people. And by the way, you're more than welcome to steal that idea. Um, <laughs> I may well do. I yeah. may well do. Yeah, well, here's what you do. You, you just do a Google search for stupid, fun questions, um, and you will find lists and lists and lists. That's all I did. I would just jump online. Uh, I created this huge, huge Google Doc, and the next guest would get the next five questions. That's all it was. <laughs> um, it was fun. It was a good time. So let me t back up a little bit here to the, uh, Apple universe. We did have that Apple event just a few weeks ago. Um, in fact, we've had two in two months now. So this is the time for Apple podcasts out there to unfurl the wings and have all new content that will hopefully last until the next big Apple event or the next big news cycle. Uh, looking at the last two events, what's the biggest announcement for you personally um, that they announced? Uh, I mean, we had a new iPad, we had new Mac Mini, we had new laptops, new phones. Yeah, um, I think that's, that's quite, I mean, I don't have an iPad and um, I, I don't really see any space in my um, workflow or my life to have one i've got obviously i've got an iphone i've got um i've got a macbook pro 13 inch um and then at work if i need you know i've got a 27 inch imac um and at home we've got a couple of imacs as well uh older ones so um i was pleased to see the the mac mini revived oh thank goodness um, right yeah it's been uh, so no, long 
not um, not a machine that I personally uh, have any great desire to own, but I was really glad to see it because it is such a great starter machine for people who want to get in to to the Mac, um, you know, into the Mac, and also, of course, it, it if you want to start doing um, server stacks or you know making media servers and things it's an ideal machine for that um, i had the idea a long time ago that apple should have a uh, a package like mac mini that you can hang on a shelf you know one of those bubble pack things yep. that are impossible to open they should <laughs> sell those at every single best buy and walmart and target and you know every store that you can get into sell a mac mini like that it's just a tiny little Mac Mini. You hang it on a shelf, and you sell them that way. That's what that should be. That should be an everyday computer that anybody could pick up at a reasonable price, hook up to your existing keyboard, monitor, and mouse, and you're good to go. It just works. Yep, yep. I could see that. That very much. Um, so I was glad to see that the the MacBook Air got a refresh again. Mm-hmm. Um, I was glad to see that. Yeah, criminally Some, neglected for a long time. Yeah, um, you know the the naysayers are, are saying that at the moment, it, although they've refreshed it, the overall performance hasn't actually changed much. It's you know using um, newer chips but lower power. Uh, yeah, they're still mobile chips. Yeah, but but even so, it's nice to see it refreshed. It's got a Retina screen. It's it's you know um, their laptop line however is uh well utterly confusing i have yep. to say uh well i think that's kind of true with adam uh, apple's entire product line it seems very scattershot and i think that what they really need is much more focus i'm not saying going back to the the four square product category that steve jobs unveiled back in 98 99 but i don't know it, it seems there's so many skews you know, for every one product, there's another 10 products in that skew. Well, do you want it in this color? Do you want this much? You know, it's like, geez, can you just narrow it down a little bit for me? I I just, um, particularly in the laptops, I felt there should be a much clearer, um, good, better, best. Yes. Kind of structure. Yep. Absolutely. At at the minute, the, the crossover, you've got the MacBook Air, which is, not a bad machine. Then you've got the MacBook, which is running on the older uh, Core M, I think, processor. Yep. It's smaller, it's lighter, but it's more money. But it's older. And yeah. then, you, you, <laughs> then you, and then okay, so then you start to spec those, and then you move up the specs, and then you get to the t- top end, and it's well, hang on, now I'm at the price of a, of a bottom end Pro. So I don't know. I, I just think it should be clearer that yep. this is the starting machine. They're all good machines because nobody's denying that they're good machines, I don't think, really. No, they're all they're, good uh, machines, but there's just... It's, it's so it's too confusing. No, you know, how would you make a choice, really? Yeah. Especially if you're on a... If you're either a beginner or you're a... You know, I mean, the classic example is the... Right, you know, my son is off to college or my daughter is off to college and uh, what should I buy? It, yep. There's no clear delineation. Um, 
uh, the other thing that came out, uh, not that I shall be buying one, but I really did like was the was the watch, the the watch four. Um, Which one, do you have a current Apple Watch? I have an I have a Series Zero. At the okay. Moment. Um, which I, you know, I still like, I still, uh, wear every day. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not a very, I'm not a fitness person. I don't go walking or running or any of those things. I use it pretty much for notifications and telling the time and the fact that I, I can have a look at the weather forecast, that sort of thing. Um, I would like to get either a series one or a series two, uh, simply so that I could go up to Apple Watch five. Um, you know, OS five, if I had, the money i would buy uh i would buy a series four um i really loved the fall detection and uh, the sort of heart uh arrhythmia detection those sort of things i thought that was great but um i can't justify the sort of 400 pounds uk yeah it's expensive and I, you know i've a got a toy. no i've got a series two uh, so mine doesn't have the built-in GPS or anything, but I've always got my iPhone with me anyway, so I didn't see the point in getting one with, you know, the built-in cellular and, and GPS. Or We've used the word a few times, but superfluous. I just didn't need those features. Um, and I'm quite happy with my Series 2, and I have no plans on upgrading it. It lasts me all day long. I charge it up at night. It's good to go the next day, although there has been a few times that, I thought it was on the charger and it wasn't, and that was kind of a pain in the butt. Um, and I'm at the point now where if I forget my watch when I go to work, it's a big deal. I'm like, oh, I don't have my watch because I'll be looking at my wrist all day long. Yeah, well, uh, uh, my, uh, I, I think uh, these days, I mean, I've always worn a watch. I've always been a, a watch-wearing guy since I was about 12 years old. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, my father bought me a Timex, like, for my 11th or 12th birthday. Sure. Um, and then, which was a big thing in those days, that's kind of... Oh, yeah. When, you know, you're a big boy now, you can have a proper watch. Exactly. Um, and then um, I had a sort of, as you do, I had a variety of, you know, I had a Casio LCD and um, various watches like that. Um, and... Uh, so I've always worn a watch, and uh, yeah, if I happen to go out of the house and get in the car and realise I haven't got my watch on, I, I will I will turn round and go back. <laughs> I will go back for my watch because otherwise, yeah, it will do my head in. Uh, yeah. The same as I never leave in, you know, I never leave the house without my iPhone. Uh, yeah, that's one thing I will turn around. Well, my job, my full time job, I, it's required. I have to have my phone with me. Uh, I use apps that are essential for what I do, so there's no question I have to turn around and get my phone. But the watch, I, I, I you know, I can get away without having my watch on. Uh, I'm not a fitness guy either, but you know, I average almost somewhere between four to six miles a day walking. And so when I don't have my watch, I feel like I kind of cheated a little bit. Like, well, that's yeah. not gonna, it's not gonna count. <laughs> it doesn't count because yeah i mean uh i'm assuming you know like uh as you say i mean i know you've said before you you know you work in a car showroom you sell cars uh, I, most people aren't aware of just how far they do actually walk if you were you know if you work in an environment like that in retail or uh you know in a showroom that sort of thing most people walk far further than they think they do yeah, it's a lot of walking. You think selling cars, I want to be behind wheels all day, but that's just not the case. 
Uh, we do want to give out a quick shout out to our sponsor, OWCMaxSales.com. Uh, hey, if you're thinking about one of those new Macs, you're going to need some external storage. There's just no way around it. There's just there's no way to upgrade most of these machines for more storage. And that's the kind of the point when you're out and about and you know, you have a portable device that you're using all the time, storage becomes a big deal. Um, OWC did all the tests for the new USB C travel dock and it works perfectly with all the new Macs. So if you're needing something to connect to your laptop, so you can, you know, plug in your phone. You can get have a, a flash drive. You want to put an external hard drive on there. The travel dock is perfect for that. It's coming out with all the different colors for all the MacBooks that are out there: space gray, gold, silver, rose gold, and they're forty bucks. You can't beat it. So check out MacSales.com. Look at the uh, OWC travel dock. It's a it's a really good deal. It's a great product, and I've seen them in person at OWC uh, two years ago last year. Maybe it was last year. I, I just saw one. No, last year, because I, I gave four of them away at MacStock as part of the MyMac quiz. And uh, I, I could tell you this, Simon, everybody wanted one. Yeah. I mean, they saw those. They were like, ooh, ooh, if I answer the question, do I get that? <laughs> and uh, I kind of wanted to keep one for myself, but no, I gave them all away. Darn it. <laughs> uh, I should have said I only had three of them. Yeah, I only got three. Sorry, guys. guys. Sorry. The, the, the space gray, they didn't send me that one. But OWC was actually there, so I couldn't snitch one for myself. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to. So did Guy. Guy picked him up and was like, ooh. It's like, no, we're giving those away, Guy. Uh, so speaking of the MyMac stuff, um, every new episode of the Essential Apple podcast is posted up at MyMac.com. Yes, it is. Yes, I. Um, you know, we're part of the uh, My Mac Podcasting Network, and uh, so obviously we, as I said earlier, we use. Um, I think it was before we started, but we use Pinecast as our host, uh, which Pinecast is, is very cheap hosting because um, we're poor and yeah. uh, we're podcasters. But that, yeah, we're podcasters, we're poor. As you said, everybody thinks it's about Ferraris and yachts. No, that's YouTubers, us podcasters, we don't get anything. No. Um, <laughs> Besides, it'd probably be Teslas anyways, because we're podcasters. Yeah, exactly. But um, so Pinecast sends it to iTunes and Overcast FM and uh, Google Play and a whole load of other places. And uh, also now it sends it to Spotify. So, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, which is a, a free, you know, included free in our hosting. You, know, you just tick a box saying, yes, please send my stuff to Spotify. Um, and then I put it up on the EssentialApple.com, and uh, also I put it on MyMac.com. Yeah, it's good for so, Google rankings when you get it at multiple places. You get links coming in. Um, that, that's the way to go. You, you, A lot of people think you just put it out there and people will find it, but that's not really the case. you got to have you know, a home base or two so people can actually find your content. Because yep. as podcasters, as you well know, finding the audience is the key. And, and it's also the most difficult thing to do. I belong to a couple different um, Facebook groups about podcasting. I don't contribute a whole lot to them, but I can see what their questions are. And they're always, how do I get people to to find my shows? And if I just do a quick search for Essential Apple Podcasts on Google, there's 23,500,000 hits. I'm sure they're all to you. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, well, I d- you know, we do. Uh, I do one of the things I do, obviously, as as, as well as I, I put it up on my Mac, and of course, uh, my Mac automatically uh, tweets out when shows are uh, posted on my Mac. Yeah, I, I've set up uh, a, a link to Twitter so that. Uh, again, Twitter posts when I uh, put the show on uh, EssentialApple.com. I, I tweet um, quite frequently, you know, when we've got stuff uh, saying, uh, I don't know, like like today it will be uh, Andreas Guy Lunas from Pixelmator it is, was on the show. Um, I, I also put it up on uh, YouTube, which... It's just no audio. Hits. Yeah, just the audio. No, just it's just the audio with the show art. Um, I never so thought about. That, I, I thought about doing it, but I didn't know how much an audio only show would garner attention on YouTube. Uh, well, I get about one hit per show. <laughs> yeah, that's not strictly true, but that I, I do get hits, but mostly they seem to only listen to a few minutes. But I suspect um, they're expecting what video. they're doing. It, well, no, I I think it, possibly they're just trying it, and if they're interested, because who really would want to listen to a podcast on YouTube? Um, the, my my view was that if I put it on YouTube, if it catches somebody's attention, they can listen to five or ten minutes and then think, right, yeah, I'll add that to my podcast list. Yeah, then that's not that's really idea. where that's not really where they're going to listen to it. <laughs> so um, you're using YouTube as. Um it's just advertising, really. Yeah, yeah it's marketing. It's just out there because if if people find it, um, I'm also on SoundCloud, but um, on the free hosting, I can only have I think three hours. So that means there's usually only one or two shows available, and yeah. I have to like delete the you know the oldest one and add the new one. But again, the point is not really to get um, subscribers on SoundCloud. It's simply another place where somebody might stumble across it. Hmm. It's an interesting idea. I haven't done any kind of marketing like that in a long time for TechFan or MyMac, for that matter. Uh, might be something I look into in the future because, you know, we've got a a YouTube page. It's not really used for anything. Occasionally, if one of uh, the reviewers at MyMac, you know, have a video clip or something, we can upload it there. But most people already have their own YouTube channel anyways and or account. They just post it there and put the link in the, in the show note or in the uh, review. But no, that's something I might actually look at. I've I've thought about it in the past. Heck, way back in the day, I thought about broadcasting live the show through YouTube. But the problem with that is David quite often isn't in a position to have very good bandwidth, and just getting good audio from David is is can be a challenge, let alone a video stream. Yeah. And if David's doing half the talking and the camera's just on me. That's a pretty freaking boring video. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I, you know, we don't record any video. And I thought, well, what I'll do, I will just put up the audio with the show art. And, uh, you know, if people want to listen to it, they can listen to it. But the main, yes, I don't think many people really want to have YouTube and listen to an hour or an hour and 20 minutes of audio with just one picture, you know, in the middle of the screen. But I don't even know if people want to watch two talking heads because I one of the biggest you know video podcasts about apple um and i've been on it you know i look at the numbers afterwards after a, a month and it's got 36 views and i thought it's, for all the work you got to do for video you get 36 viewers on that 
Yeah. You know, you're getting, I, I hope, at least 10 times that many that's listen to the audio on their phone or, you know, but boy, that just, it doesn't seem like it's worth the expense. Um, it doesn't seem like it's worth the bandwidth, does it? No. Really? You know, and I see this person at all these different Apple events recording video and I'm thinking, nobody's watching it though. Why are you doing it? And then it comes back to why I podcast. You got a passion for it. It's fun. You you do it because it's a fun, good time. Not because you're going to get rich or because you're going to get famous or it's just a good time. And when you take everything out of the equation, as long as you're having fun, it's definitely worth doing. And I guess, you know, I guess the thing is, if, if you're, um, if you're interested in, in doing video, if you enjoy the, the filming and the editing and the putting it together and, you know, feeling, uh, like you're a video editor or, you know, running a TV studio. If you enjoy that, then yeah, fine. Yeah, by all means. If, uh, you know, if you get the enjoyment from doing it and you're not really bothered if anybody's actually watching it or not, then why not? Um, I mean, I, I, it, as I said, I started out with the most basic of setups and gradually, uh, added in. And uh, I do most of my editing, uh, for what it's worth, in Audacity. Mm-hmm. Um, lots it's a good, of people, good program. I do, yeah. It, it is very good, and it has some features which even some much more expensive uh, products don't have, one of the, the best of which is Truncate Silence, which yes. is, is fantastic. You can run that, and uh, it will take out uh, any... No pauses longer than in my case i usually set it to a quarter of a second so anything longer than a quarter of a second gets cut down to about 2.2 seconds well um, i'm i'm kind of i i'm kind of got you beat there because david and i are usually so long-winded that there's not a whole lot of blank pauses to <laughs> well what i what i found is when, when we when we do it especially if you have three or four people on you, yeah. you, the pauses that you get are not when people are speaking so much as when one person finishes. Yeah, and who's going next? Who's going to go next? And there'll be a pause, sometimes an uncomfortable pause, because nobody wants to speak over the top of somebody else. So everybody kind of hesitates. So when when you run the truncate science, it takes those out and it makes it sound like really slick and we're all really clever and professional and know exactly when to follow on. We had that problem when we brought Owen in for a while as the third regular co-host. And I, I noticed that David and Owen would step on each other a lot. Um, and they both noticed it too. And there really wasn't a, a, a fix off for that other than one of them speak. And then by default, they got used to, I would be the next person to bring something in. Like David would say something. I'd be, that's a good point. What do you think, Owen? So yeah. I became more of the catch all, if you will, the, the, the referee and yeah. it, it worked like fine. Arbiter, yeah. Yeah. It worked fine, but I, I found myself more and more, you know, working between those two instead of putting my own opinions out there. Um, so we kind of went, ah, well, let's let's back up and go back to where we were, where it's David and I most of the time, and bring Owen in uh, as needed. And uh, yeah, I love having Owen on the show, but it's uh, it just didn't work with Owen, David, and I. So we just kind of well, yeah. went back to basics. The other thing that, that can cause an issue, of course, is, is latency. 
mm-hmm. you know um sometimes it's not much of a delay between you know between the participants but it doesn't have to be more than maybe a quarter of a second for someone to start speaking and right. the other you know the third party hasn't yet received that so they start and and that's where you get people talking over each other because the latency is just enough to for them to think that they're clear to speak and you know the lag is tripped them up but uh there you go we we seem to manage fairly well um on the essential apple and yes we do we do have occasional times when we talk over each other but i do tend to post edit those out you have to uh, I don't because I'm lazy, but <laughs> I was I was looking under I thought I had done it under Google Doc. Maybe I didn't for some of those uh questions that I used to to read and I don't see it listed here anymore. So maybe I got rid of them. That's a bummer because it was some fun stuff. I see OWC notes. Um Oh, yeah, here's some and this is a, I, it was three questions. So I'm going to ask these. This was for, um, let's see, Brian Dunning. He is, or was, I don't know if he still does it, uh, the creator and host of the Skeptoid, a critical analysis of pop phenomena. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't even, this was for OWC Radio number 52. I don't even remember it. Uh, I don't, this was probably like in 2013 or 14, somewhere back then. So here was his three questions and I'm going to give them to you. You ready? Okay. All right. Number one, do you like to dance? No. (laughs) That's pretty, Simon, that's pretty definitive. Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. No capitulation (laughs) in that answer at all. (laughs) Uh, Number two. What time do you get up? Uh, uh, to be honest, as late as I can get away with. Yeah, you're a late waker, if you can. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, if, if I had my way, you know, times before about half past 10 a.m. would be uh, <laughs> disallowed. I, uh, I used to be the sleeping guy, you know. I, boy, I, I couldn't wait to sleep in. Uh, especially as a teenager. I mean, that's kind of the law, I think. But now, well, probably in the mid-2000s, somewhere in there, I work for uh, the U.S. Postal Service. And, of course, that's a very early rising job. And that was one of the reasons I almost didn't want to take the position at the time. But I was like, yeah, it pays good. So I did it. And it conditioned me to wake up. I am a 5 a.m. everyday wake-upper now. Even today. Today's Sunday. I woke up at 5 a.m. Uh, can't help it. That's My body just... I don't need an alarm clock. At 5 o'clock in the morning, boop, I'm it. awake. Yep. You're awake. If I, if I sleep into like 8 a.m., oh, I'll have a blistering headache for hours. My body just does not want to sleep past 5 o'clock in the morning, regardless of what time I actually went to bed. I slept at 6.30 a couple weeks ago, and I could not believe it. I was like, oh, my God. That's, that's like on holiday or something. <laughs> Last question that I asked uh, Brian Dunning for that OWC radio show. If you had a big wa- – uh, let me try that again. If you had a big win in the lottery, how long would you wait to tell people? 
Ooh, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Right, How yeah. long would I wait to Because you don't want to tell everyone right away, right? No. Um, I don't know. And then how many people... Weeks, I would have yeah, thought. Yeah. yeah. Would you wait to... got? Do you have the winnings in your possession before you tell people, or do you tell people before you even have the winnings? Yeah, I think... you got to wait, right? Uh, I think I'd be... Uh, I might tell, like, my parents or something that I'd... Well, sure. I mean, you've got to tell those uh, closest to you. But, um, yeah, I don't think I'd tell very many other people until I actually had the cold, hard cash in my bank account. That's right, yeah. And then the question becomes, do you tell a lot of people or do you just kind of keep it on the down low as much as possible? Because, let's be honest, if you won that much money, let's millions and millions, um, life-changing money. We're not talking about $100,000. I'm talking, you know, yeah. $20 million. And for you, 20 million pounds. Um, that's life-changing. You know, that's, I'm buying a new house and a car and the kid's education is set up. And, you know, my adult, for me, my adult kids are getting cars and stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I, you can't really keep it quiet, can you? No. I don't think well, so. Yeah. I don't know. You see, obviously here in, in the UK, we have the, we have the lottery, the national lottery and, people have won you know as you say super life-changing amounts of money um on that and to be honest an awful lot of those who then said right well i'm going to buy a you know a, an estate with an eight house mansion and a ferrari sure. and all that, you know they've either after a few years said oh well i've i've splurged the lot and i'm back living in my council house uh, yeah. or or, or They've, you know, they've ended up saying, "Do you know what? Winning the lottery was the worst thing that ever happened to me." Yeah, um, I hear those. You hear those stories, and you think they're uh, myths, but it's true. I, lot of winners are probably the worst people that you can give a whole bunch of money for because if you're responsible enough, where you have a good sum of money, um, you know, you're used to it. But if you come from having nothing, living very moderately, to getting all of this riches dumped on you without the education on what to do with those winnings, it, it could be life-changing in a negative way. In a very bad way indeed. Um, I think I think I would risk it personally. Yeah, I, I, it's a nice, <laughs> there are worse problems to have, possibly. Um, I, I will say, I, I don't know how it works in, in, uh, in the U.S., but here, uh, the National Lottery... Uh, if you win, you know, really big money on the national lottery, as long as you agree to um, the publicity, in, in other words, not to be purely anonymous, yeah, uh, they will support you with financial advice. They do it here. A whole load, a whole load of other things. And so uh, often, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of people win, you know, life-changing amounts of money and pay off their mortgage and buy their kids a house and retire comfortably and uh, have a very nice life but there are those of course who as you say who just go bonkers and um, and I, I remember watching a documentary actually about lottery winners in the US and, oh uh, I know which one you're talking about there's one where a guy uh, basically bought I, I think it was um, he bought one of those huge uh, mobile homes the big silver iconic ones um, yep and and said, I'm just going to spend my life driving around uh, America, so I want to see all of America. 
And then they said something to him about, um, do you know any other lottery winners? And he said, uh, I, I don't associate myself with uh, other lottery winners because most of them are basically arses. And he says, what makes you say that? And he says, look, winning the lottery doesn't make you a better par- person. If you're an arse, you just become a very rich arse. Yes, yep. Yep, <laughs> that is the truth right there. and No question about it. So... Uh, so yeah, it, it, I've had someone say, "Hey, well, what would you do if you won the lotto?" Uh, I'd podcast full time. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I can't stop working. Just because you're rich, I, what am I going to sit around the house all day? Um, you know, and you can only travel so much. You know, it's it's. I don't want to be a gadfly, but I would definitely get another podcasting studio like I had in the past, and uh, I would do it full time. I mean, I did it full time. I did. I was pretty good. Made some pretty good money when I w- had my own studio and all that. But I think that's what I would do. I would start podcasting. I would have a different show every week, and I'd have different co-hosts, and they would get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Simon's like me. I'm first. Yeah, um, I joined the queue. I, yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. I would have to do something because. Uh, I know if somebody just handed me, you know, a ludicrous sum of cash and I didn't decide to do something, um, you know, even if it was a total loss maker and I just did it for the sake of doing it, and it mm-hmm. but gave me something to do, I'd probably be dead in a year. Well, that's the that's the fear right there, isn't it? You, you know, you'd splurge just, to your death. <laughs> just, yeah, you know, you'd eat and drink and make merry to the extent that it would kill you. Uh so no, I, I think like you, I'd have to find something to do. Um, I definitely would. I I couldn't just be that guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would get some cars. Not, you know, I'd I'd have two cars, a, a truck and a car. Mm. And my wife would have you know a truck and a car, and eh, the kids would have a car. But even that, that's it's nothing price wise compared to. And I'm not talking about Ferraris. I'm not. That's no, not what I'm don't. talking about here. <laughs> I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't waste Ferrari, my money. Ferrari, but, you know... Uh, I'd probably get a Tesla. And then there's, there, there's a Ferrari, and then there's there's the car that I would ultimately love to own, and I'm never going to get one, ever, because they only made about 250 or something ludicrous, so they sell for millions and millions, and that's the uh, Ferrari 250 GTR, GTR. Right, yep. Yeah, but the problem is with that car is so uncomfortable to drive it. <laughs> probably um, a terrible I, car in reality yeah. but, oh yeah. absolutely i'd get a, i'd get an electric uh tesla and i'd get a forerunner that those would be the two cars i would get you know yeah and, i think uh i'm not that much of a car guy to be honest um i certainly would not be going oh well i'll get a bugatti veyron or right you know, I, I might I'd actually probably be more tempted to buy uh, something a bit more classic, maybe a Aston Martin, you know, or uh, something like that, or maybe just a, a, an old classic car for the sake of it, rather yeah. than um, oh, I need to get you know this multi-million-pound, I don't know, Lamborghini or something. Right, I'm with you. I like the older stuff as well. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I would definitely set up a podcast studio though. You know, and it would be different. It wouldn't be what I'm doing now. Some of it would be, but I would I would go way out there. I would just it would be something that I would always like to have done, but I just don't have the time 
or more importantly, the money. But here's yeah. the thing about you know winning the lottery because we're tech people, right? So if if someone dropped uh, two hundred million pounds in your lap, and you could go out there and buy all the tech stuff you want, you don't need that much money for all the tech stuff you want because the even the high end tech stuff. It's pretty damn affordable right now. You can't buy a better phone with, you know, $200 million than I can with, you know, $1,500. You no. can't do it. No, you could go and have one of those ludicrously blinged up, cased in solid gold, studded with diamonds and all the rest right, of it. Right, but, but it's it not a better actually phone. actually make it a better phone. No, in it fact, just... it'd probably make it worse. Yeah, probably, because yeah. all that gold's probably pretty bad <laughs> for the signal. Well, yeah, well, not only that, but it would be so heavy and cumbersome, and it wouldn't be as sleek and nice. And oh yeah, exactly. You know? So you're not going to get better tech because you're rich. I mean, yeah, maybe a better security system to protect all your money, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you're not going to get better tech because the best stuff out there, literally, is at very affordable rates. If you got the most tricked out Mac system that money can buy with all the storage you can ever need. You're still less than fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, think about it. And it, 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 massive curved screens, and it doesn't matter. It, it that stuff isn't expensive. And going beyond computers, you get this great big giant TV, the biggest one they make right now, and it's like five grand. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, Which, you know. Right now, you'd be looking at and saying, five grand? I don't really need a TV that big. But if you had 20 million, it'd be pocket change. Oh, well, right. So you know, 15 years ago, you would have spent a whole lot of money automating your house. Well, you don't have to anymore. Now you just get Alexa. Yeah. You know? And, and that's, <laughs> that stuff's dirt cheap. Chuck so, a few dots around the house and you're laughing. That, yeah. You put little sensors on it so when you walk up the stairs, the lights you know, follow you up the stairs. Oh, talking about Alexa, this off. is to totally off the wall. But did you see, uh, I think it was on Twitter, but it probably was also elsewhere, the guy who, you know the Billy the Fish? Do you remember the Billy the Fish thing? Yeah. With the with the sort of, a, I don't know, it's a trout or a bass. Or yeah, something. where where you, if you make noise near it, the fish turns towards you, it's on a and, plaque and it starts talking. Yeah. Well, yeah. basically the guy took one of those and rigged it to his Alexa. Oh, that's awesome. So... Basically, when he says, uh, you know, hey, Alexa, the, the fish pops up and <laughs> gives the, <laughs> what do you want, you know? <laughs> it was uh, sort of pointless, frivolous tech tomfoolery. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I loved it. it. I thought, great. That's absolutely I was, great. I was going to do a video show. It was going to be a small one. It was going to be like a podcast, um, but <laughs> it's really stupid, but... I took a classic Mac, you know, the little triangle one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got rid of the screen, and I put fake eyes on it. And I put, like, this black screen, right, or this blue screen. And I put these eyes on it, these little, you know, that you can get the little eyes that kind of move around, the little yeah. plastic ones. And then I put a puppet hand for a mouth. So it would be the computer talking at the screen. It was going to be, like, really, really rude. And it was going to hate the iPhone. The iPhone was the bane of its existence. It hated the iPhone. Uh, and it was, it was kind of like, you know, that, that dog with the cigar that's always rude to people. It was going to be kind of in that vein, but for the tech world, that was one of the things that I was going to do at one time. I actually built the, the, the first one. Uh, it didn't work very well. So I 
chuck the idea, as you would say. But, yeah, that was one of the weird things that I was going to do at one time. Isn't that weird? It could have been huge and funny, but, eh, I needed a writer's. <laughs> I mean, it's like I, just, I um I always liked. I don't know if you remember the the the, the Steve Jobs blog, the fake Steve yes, Jobs blog. Yes, fake Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was brilliant. That was so. That was so good. I mean, once well, there's the guy a fake revealed, Johnny Ives now too. Cra- crashed and burned, but yeah, I still love it. You know, I invented the freaking iPod. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> there, there's a uh, fake Johnny Ives on Twitter. And yeah, it's pretty funny. That guy's pretty good. Yeah, he is. He's, 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 I I do follow that. That's amusing, you know. I've got one thing that I did pull up that I was looking at earlier. I thought we'd wrap up with this. Um, we are coming up here in the United States on uh, Black Friday, which means we're getting towards the end of the year. And uh, we got about another month to go where we all start talking about, you know, tech holiday stuff. And every podcast does that. Um, but then we come up to the end of the year and we start getting nostalgic for the year we just had or we start looking back. And... In the tech world, it's um, it's just as true as with any other industry. We like to look back. So I was looking back December of 2008, and they were talking about the big things of 2008 in the tech world. And I found this kind of interesting. Number one was the death of HD DVD. Um, I didn't realize it had been 10 years ago since that pretty much folded in favor of Blu-ray. Blu-ray yeah. yeah. Um, you remember it was Microsoft was a big push behind HD DVD, and it just completely failed. It yeah. was just one of those technologies that was just as good as Blu-ray, but you you can only really have one, right? Yeah, that was a case of there can be only one. And I yes. don't know quite how, but um, I, I don't know why or how. The, the usual reasons come up. Uh like the rise of VHS over Betamax. Um, yeah. Same why, thing. You know, um, the story goes that uh, the makers of VHS allowed uh, people to publish pornography. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. That's not a myth. That That is what happened. And, I actually uh, did some research you know, on VHS that. VHS took off and uh, Betamax didn't. Um, with Blu-ray, I've no idea because as far as I could tell, there was very little to choose between... Um, HD, DVD, and Blu-ray. Um, yep. But Blu-ray won out. I don't know, you know, what the source of that was, but there you go. There can be uh, the only PlayStation, one. The PlayStation 3. That uh, might have a lot to do with it, yeah? Uh, it was built into every PlayStation 3, whereas HD DVD was an add-on to the uh, Xbox 360. Ooh. So ooh. they had a leg up immediately. And then they made uh, Blu-ray players much cheaper much quicker than hd dvd did so i think i think those are the two big contributing factors the next one was uh iphone 3gs it's second generation iphone remember the iphone only came out the year before yeah and the the 3gs was it, it didn't feel like the next iphone it felt like two iphones later it was such an improvement over the original iphone uh, and that so that was a big story in two thousand. Well, actually, it was it was wasn't it because there was iPhone, iPhone three yep. G, yep, and then the three GS. So it was actually the third phone. Well, but it was basically just kind of an update. It, it wasn't that big of a change. 
No, uh, four but they would did, see a big They did change. increase the speed of it. No yep. end. It was a, a huge because I had um, I had but the original the, iPhone. Right, but the three GS came out the same year the three G did. I mean, it was yeah, that was they weird. almost immediately they updated of, it. Right, <laughs> like the three G was just a barely an upgrade over the iPhone. Yeah, the, the only upgrade that had was it it um, added three G networking. And that wasn't big enough, whereas the 3GS was a significant upgrade. I remember oh, the yeah, camera was. was so much better. That's what got me to, to pull the trigger on a year later, which my wife wasn't real happy about. <laughs> uh, I still actually have all my old iPhones. Uh, I had them sitting on a shelf for a long time. I finally put them in a drawer. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't need to see these. And I kept charging them up. Why? <laughs> Why was I charging these things up all the time? Uh, the next one was the power of Twitter. So we like to look at Twitter in today's day and age as kind of a negative thing, and I kind of think it is in some respects, but it's just as positive as it is negative. But in 2008, it was a very positive thing. One of the reasons was Barack Obama, that he was the first president that really embraced, or candidate, I should say, that really embraced the social media aspects of uh, the tech world. And a lot of people don't remember uh, Obama was really big onto Twitter. You know, it was kind of a big thing to watch him walking around with his Blackberry. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that was 2008. So it wasn't a long time ago. No. Um, smartphones got smarter, which is all about the Apple three GS, the Sony Ericsson. Um, and then, uh, T-Mobile had a phone called the G one, which was the very first device to run Android. So Ooh, that, yes, I remember yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. And remember, in 2008, people were still unsure. Is it going to be iPhone? Is, or maybe it's going to be BlackBerry still because BlackBerry was huge. No, Black but maybe Microsoft's. Microsoft's. They're, they're going to. But they've got to have a big role in the smartphone market, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a two horse race now, isn't it? Oh, yes. Very um, much so. This is the little computer that could. This was the year of the netbook now here in 2018 i don't think netbooks are that big of a deal at all except in education education is that's the king of netbooks you know well, yeah, little, chromebooks effectively Chrome, it's the same thing we, yeah, they just exactly. renamed them. a netbook is a chromebook but that's kind of what the that's where it is. I don't see a whole lot of people in everyday life. I see still more MacBook Airs, to be honest, in everyday life, or cheap PCs. I don't see Chromebooks outside of education. They own the education market. Mm. And who would have guessed that 10 years ago? Well, I think, to be honest, what I think killed the, the netbook concept, uh, well, two things killed it. One, it was its original concept was a netbook, a lightweight device that allowed you to be online um it wasn't necessarily very powerful but it allowed you to you know do your email and browse the web and and such like yep. and it was a lot cheaper than a than a full-blown laptop so two things killed it one it started being pushed as if they were cheap but full-blown laptops and i think and a lot they of totally were not expecting them to be fully powered and they weren't but the other thing that killed them of course was the smartphone yeah, you could do everything you need on your smartphone. Why would you be carrying a twelve-inch uh, mini laptop with a, a not particularly great screen and a cramped keyboard and 
basically pretty terrible battery life. No. If you're in a in a environment like an airport, it's almost unheard of to see someone pulling a laptop out and working on it as compared to the sheer volume of people with their smartphone in their hand. Yeah, exactly. It, it's you're absolutely 100% right. It it did kill it. Uh the last thing was um it was the year that Sony or uh Amazon released the Kindle. So it was the rise of the ebook. And I don't remember if that was the year they released the Kindle app for the iPhone or we had to wait another year or two. I don't remember that. Um, but the Kindle was a big deal. Kindle nowadays, we don't think of as when you say Kindle, I don't think you'd necessarily think about the hardware. I think it's more of a platform in your mind now, you know, because you got the Kindle on your phone, on your computer, on your oh, laptop yeah. it, it and the physical much. Kindles. I, um, I like you, I'm not sure, but I'm. I think that they launched the hardware Kindle, and then once they'd established that people were actually interested in it, and that Kindle books was going to be a thing, they realised that if they if they just kept it to the hardware, they were never going to really launch in scale. So then they pushed out the apps, the apps so that it yeah. was available everywhere. I think you're right. You know that that's like everything it scale is everything you you cannot you cannot get the top sellers and all the rest to come on to kindle books unless you can tell them that you've got you know x million customers yeah you, it's the same thing as itunes when itunes yes. was mac only and firewire for your ipod and all the rest it was a minority slice when steve then went we're doing itunes for windows and we're making the ipod usb then iTunes went huge, and yep. the iPod. And the, oh yeah, more importantly, the iPod because that's where Apple was making their money. Um, I, I know a lot of Apple users like to think that iBooks is a big thing. It's just not. It's it's ironic that Apple got sued for that and lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when Crazy. when it's it's not it's not even a has been. It, it's so far behind what Amazon's done with Kindle. Uh, you, you know, really, I I can't remember the last time I opened books, as they call it now. No, no. The only time I do it is if I get a book uh, from somebody or some source that's not already on Kindle. It's a pain in the ass to get content onto the Kindle that doesn't come from Amazon. It really is. Uh, it's very easy with Apple's books. Because you just drag it over and it syncs to your devices and it works, but it it's clunky compared to the Kindle app or the Kindle hardware. Um, it, it, Amazon owns that space and they really do. I I read a lot and it's all done in Kindle. Just it just is. They've won that war. Do you think Apple should get out of books altogether at this point? Uh. That's I mean, when was the last time Apple even talked about it? it? It's, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's sort of languishing there. It is almost like if you're not going to, if you're not going to go for it, just drop it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and if you're not going to make a full blown run, then what's the point? I'm actually looking up books on my computer. It's iBooks. Uh, last opened nine nineteen or nine nine. 2018. So I opened it about two months ago. 
Uh, last updated and modified 712 or 721.17. Okay, so I've, if I go into mine, mine is books, uh, date modified 10th of November. Uh-huh. Um, Maybe there's a new one because mine oh, yeah, hasn't books, been updated. Oh, yeah, books, iBooks is, is dead. When did they kill it? Uh, either Sierra or High Sierra or Mojave. They renamed it Books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I I didn't upgrade my Mac. I am still sitting on Sierra. Yeah. Because I there was no reason for me to update it. It the the newer Mac OSs aren't offering me any new features, period, that I found essential to take the risk of updating my Mac. I had a bad experience once not too long ago. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to update it. But my Mac is a, a refurb unit from OWC and it's got two hard drives in it. You know, it's got the OWC SSD and a regular hard drive. So I'm a little leery of updating it where it nukes my OWC SSD. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair enough. And according to this, I have never opened books ever. <laughs> There you go. Never, uh, never opened yeah. it. But um, when's the last time you fired up Kindle? <laughs> uh, that's true. I, on, my, on this Mac, I'm not even sure I've got Kindle on this Mac. I've got Kindle on my phone, but to be well, honest, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't really use it. So no, I use Kindle all the time. Every day that gets opened. Um, yeah. So that was 2008 when Kindle first launched. That was unquestionably the rise of the ebook. You know. And I don't think it's any coincidence that it was also the rise of the iPhone. No. That those two things started. Kindle, let's be honest, rode the coattails of the of Apple and the iPhone, and they're still doing so. I would imagine that the vast majority of Kindle users, readers, buyers, is on a smartphone, not on Kindle hardware. I would think so. That I mean, the, don't get me wrong, the, the Kindle, particularly, is it the Paperwhite? One yes, I've got one. Light. You can write, oh, read it's it brilliant. It, brilliant. If you are really into reading ebooks, I'm very sure that that is probably a lovely piece of hardware. It is. Um, and if you read a lot, then it's probably a really nice thing to have. Um, but for most people, I suspect they read on their smartphone or, you know, their iPad. They're at lunch at work. They pull out and they read a half a chapter or something. Yeah, yep. exactly. Sorry about so, that. That was my son crashing <laughs> the door. <laughs> Mine is not too far away playing on my iPad, uh, playing a game called Hole IO. It's okay. uh, it's this game that you're this hole in a city, and you just kind of float around, and things drop into the hole. And as more things drop into the hole, you get bigger and bigger and bigger. You have two minutes. It's two-minute gameplay. And All you right. want to try to eat as much as you can or have things drop into the hole. The more mass you add, the bigger the hole gets. Um, until eventually you're eating buildings. You can basically eat anything in the game. I've got up to 90, I'm going to say 96% cleared. No, he just said 90. It's what? 94 point what? 94.82% cleared on that on the map. So that's, <laughs> it's, and we, you can also play it on uh, multiplayer via Bluetooth. So I'm on my phone occasionally, and he'll be on my iPad, and we play against each other, and that's a lot of fun. And he just said he usually wins. 
<laughs> oh well, yeah, it's uh, like it's my fun. boy. He keeps saying to me, "Dad, Dad, play Mortal Combat on the on the PS4," and um, yeah. I've got no idea how to play Mortal Combat. I just mash buttons and hope. I think that's what most people do with Mortal Kombat, to be honest. <laughs> I can't understand the chains and the moves. It's all like up, down, down, up, 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 back, 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 square, triangle, triangle, square. It's like what? No, I just bash on the buttons. Yep. Hope. Yep. <laughs> hope. Hope and jump. That's the whole point of the game. Yeah. Simon, I really do appreciate you coming on to Tech Fan this week. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. I don't think we've done a show before together. No, we haven't. No, we haven't done a show together. Well, let's get together again soon. This was a lot of fun. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot.